Welcome to Basketball on Figueroa, the only podcast breaking down the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edwin Garcia. Joining me today is Jerry Vaziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper. Usually, I ask Dime how he's doing to start every podcast, but we're going to go a little little off the script here for a minute. What, Dime, what happened Monday, man? Like, we're going to go in, in, in reverse order here because Monday was like, it was Red Monday here in Los Angeles basketball. Uh, the Lakers had literally the worst loss in terms of margin of, of uh, defeat in LeBron's 21-year history. That's how bad it was. And then I heard wow. the Clippers didn't do <laughs> that much better. So what, what the heck happened on Monday? Talk, break it down like a fraction for me. What, what, what happened yesterday? I didn't get to see the Laker game because I was actually at the Clipper game. and Lucky you. Oh, man. Well, uh, it was a great experience in the sense that, you know, Reggie Jackson came home, but Reggie Jackson came home and – he felt some kind of way. I mean, I, I don't, I couldn't imagine this kind of a game. Reggie Jackson returns, and he and DeAndre Jordan go off on us. Like, what is this? Like this, this is like a TV show at this point. I mean, it's embarrassing though, and it was just a clear cut effort thing. Defensively, they look like a totally different team against Dallas. A fully healthy Dallas, besides Derek Lively, who's who's a very important piece for them. But I mean, come on. Luca and Kyrie Irving versus Reggie Jackson and whoever the Nuggets were playing. They didn't have their three best players. So the effort was poor. And the Clippers, you know, they just play so slow. James Harden uh, is not being aggressive enough looking for a shot, but he also just can't create separation like he used to. He can't get by good defenders like that anymore, which I already we've already talked about. So and Kawhi. I mean, he hasn't had many great games this season. He really hasn't had that many good games since the trade. And Paul George finally had a stinker. Paul George has been amazing this season, but he finally had a stinker. All that lined up with Reggie and DeAndre Jordan playing insane. And the Clippers' point of attack defense just not good enough and their size uh, in terms of, like, big forwards, you know, we lost during the trade, was missing, you know, on that low block rotating over to kind of – protect the rim because DJ was just they were just throwing lobs up there and there was no resistance on the weak side so mm-hmm. right, Reggie Jackson insane performance uh it was just playing with your food simple as that but what about your side though Lakers oh man I mean that, that was I it's been a while since I've had that many people upset during the Lakers game especially recently you know we talked about it you know the last episode it's usually like someone's fault right like, oh AD or oh you know uh Le- LeBron was you know uh, coasting, we haven't heard that at least on my end that much this year. But no, last year, plenty of times people blamed LeBron for a loss. Plenty of times people blamed AD. Plenty of times people blamed, you know, Ham. Uh, yesterday was the first time in a while where I felt like everyone was angry at everyone, and it was like, oh, there's plenty of blame to go around. Not as much on LeBron. Um, I think people kind of said, oh, well, the team was off, so LeBron kind of phoned it in. But when it, not an AD, not even that much. It was just kind of like a holistic, like this team stunk it up today. This is pathetic. This is inexcusable. You know, not what you expect. You can't lose by that many points. I don't care who's out there. It's not excusable. And I heard a lot about that. And it was kind of a frustrating day. Uh, Personally, it was a Monday, right? So, like, kind of getting back into the groove. You know, I don't have a traditional job. So, it's not like I was off in the weekend myself. But I still had that Monday vibe of, like, hey, like, we're starting up again. Like, the year's kind of continuing on and we're trying to wrap it up. So, for me personally, I was already kind of, like, on a – I'm tired and like, all right, let, let's do a Lakers game tonight, I guess. East Coast time too, which is also throwing me off. And then I don't know about you, but it's like, oh, I'm I'm putting in my effort, right? I'm showing up. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to, to cover this team. And then for them to just lay an egg like that, you're like, really? Like, come on, y'all. Like, what's going on? And I think the, the entire, like, uh, Lakers fandom kind of felt that frustration. And it, it was interesting to watch kind of everyone just kind of be sick of it and be over it. Um yeah, it was just a it was just an awful performance. You really can't like justify uh, how they played. It was poor. It was unacceptable. And I don't expect it to be a trend or anything. I don't think the team will play that bad often. But it also was discouraging seeing that the one of the few times they're going to actually play, um, you know, the Sixers. They only play the Sixers one more time after this. And for that to be the performance you give, I think people were really like uh, annoyed with it. I know I was. And it's just not what you wanted to see. You know, you wanted to see them kind of, you know 
it's a measuring stick game. Okay, we're on the road against this top team. Let let's let's ball out. And they did not do that. They looked really bad. It was it was probably the worst game of the year. Um, so hopefully they they play. We'll talk about it later. They play Detroit later, but uh, it was just a bad game. And then uh, I couldn't even enjoy the 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 Reggie Jackson um, moments as much as I wanted to. Cause I'm like, well, I can't really talk today. But um, I haven't seen him celebrate like that since he played a certain other team from Los Angeles once. So it was good to see um, to see him kind of you know be in his zone, his element. I know you 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 are a big Reggie Jackson advocate. A lot, a lot of the Clippers fans are. They they loved his effort. It's also and uh, I think it was kind of a reminder of, hey, that's the kind of stuff you lost through pursuit of other things. Um, so, yeah, it, good Reddy Jackson game for sure. Uh, disappointing all around for Los Angeles, I think. Yeah. Was there anybody that played well for the Lakers? I would say AD was the closest because I think he was at least engaged from the jump. And he went right at Embiid, and he was scoring on Embiid early. So I think if anyone could avoid slander yesterday, it was probably Anthony Davis. And I think that's probably why you didn't see too much in the timeline. Because people saying like, "Oh, like he's lost this many in a row against Embiid or whatever." Um, but other than that, I think people were pretty happy with Embiid with um, Anthony Davis's performance. That's about it. Everyone else kind of underperformed for the most part. It was good to see Jalen Shafino finally out there. He was out there like a quick shift early, and then a little bit more in, in garbage time. Uh, but you know, he didn't play well either. But also, it's just good to see him back because he's the Lakers' rookie and he's been hurt with a knee injury all year. So the only other silver lining is like, "Oh, he's back," so that's good. Uh, but other than that, th- there really wasn't much to take away except I'm just very thankful that the next opponent is the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> yeah. So what was the first game on the agenda? Let's go for it. So let, let's now that we've kind of ranted about the the sorrow that was Monday, let, let's 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 take it back. Let's take it back. So uh first game we had was a Lakers uh versus Utah, and which has been a trend for the most part for, for the Lakers. They really love the NBA play-in tournament, like they—they they are just—they're the biggest fans. In, they, they in play season really well. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, yeah, they're also fans of the play-in because they've done well there too. Yes, but right yeah. now, <laughs> right now we're talking about—we we like every variation of non-regular season basketball. So play-in, in-season, whatever. Let's do it. And yeah, they—they they shined in this one. You know, it was just, crypto was back to that new core, and they had the the city edition jerseys and all that. And you know, they killed it. One thirty-one ninety-nine. They kind of coasted. I kind of the opposite of what we talked about. This was like one of the better wins. You know, you had uh, AD giving you giving you twenty six. Uh, LeBron only gave you seventeen, but it was an efficient seventeen on sixty percent shooting. And again, another good D'Lo game, which we've been talking about. D'Lo's been kind of, you know, he's had his moments too, where where he's kind of shined. So for me, this game was was just like a a, a, a the opposite of that um, that game we just talked about, where this is kind of like the better version of the team and what the team can do when they're clicking on all cylinders. And it's nice, even though. A lot of it has to do because the playing tournament, they kind of want that cash money and that prestige. But it shows you the levels this Lakers team can get to, you know, when you give them just a little bit of extra motivation. There. Yeah, it reminded me of the Grizzlies game that you guys played earlier this season. Just dominant, start to finish, not playing with your food, getting the job done. You know the Utah trash. They're a totally <laughs> different team away from home. Yeah, when they're at home, No matter what iteration of their team at home, it's just hard to get a win in Utah. They might be a terrible team, but in, at Utah, it'll be a game. Sometimes you can blow them out when they're not good, and that has to happen yeah. in your home court. Lakers did that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we, we got that done, got the win there, and the Lakers uh, actually ended up winning their group. Um, I believe they're mathematically slated to, to play the Suns. Uh, I'm not sure if everything's right. As we're talking right now, the the uh, NBA games are still kind of happening, so I'm not sure if it'll end up being that way, but it's, it's heading towards uh, – Lakers Suns uh, in Los Angeles for the quarterfinals. So looking forward to that, if that's what ends up happening. Either way, the Lakers are going to host uh, the quarterfinal game. Uh, that opponent might change depending on the results tonight. But so far, that's what things are looking like. So I'm happy about that. Hopefully, um, I'll be in attendance for those games. That'll be exciting. Um, next, for the Clippers, first game we're going to talk about my, after that that Monday fiasco we just discussed is Spurs. And you called it here, Dime. You told me. You said that they were going to get the sweep. They were going to win the back-to-backs. And sure enough, they did just that. So Clippers, Spurs, a couple things. One, I want you to break down what happened in that game. And also, I want to talk about that Kawhi booing and then Pop getting defended by, uh, you know, by his his former coach about that. So uh, talk to me about the game. And then can you segue us into that whole kind of, uh, you know, thing that happened there when Kawhi was shooting free throws there? Was that? 
Popovich incident the first game or the second one? Because we of the. I believe it was the second one, which is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. We we already talked about the first one. Yeah, we talked about the first one. Yes, because that happened before the last pod. And yeah, I just checked. Right. It, it was this game. It was the second game. Clippers won one hundred nine, one hundred two, and and Pop, uh, you know, grabbed the microphone and told the fans to kind of uh, quiet down on, on the booing they were doing for Kawhi. Yeah, I just I just forgot that we had talked about the first Spurs game on the last episode. Okay, so sure. the second one, Devin Vassell actually played, so it was definitely a different game. Wemby played really well in the second half, but we ended up getting the job done, which which we should have, you know what I'm saying? But and James Harden started to play better. You know, those were some of his better games as a Clipper. Were those games in San Antonio? Just creating good looks in the pick and roll. If it's a Zubat, starting to play a little bit better. Paul George continues to be really good at this point. As far as the Greg Popovich thing, there's only one other time I've ever seen a coach grab a public address announcer's microphone, and that was Glenn Rivers uh, as the coach of the Clippers in 2019. And he grabbed the mic in the, the closing seconds of the game when the game was decided, and he said, let's give it up for Dirk Nowitzki. And everybody stood up because it was his last game playing the Clippers. That was actually a very classy move by Glenn. This was insane. In the middle of the game, game is still competitive, telling the fans to not boo, obviously because he won a championship. I like that Pop is defending Kawhi Leonard. I think it's a little bit crazy that they boo a guy who helped him win a championship as a finals MVP. But I don't know what it's like to be a Spurs fan. I don't know what their experience was that 2017-18 season with the medical reports and all that. And let's be honest, I've had my frustrations with the communication with Kawhi and his injuries and all that since he's been a Clipper. So I would love to be in their shoes or I would love to talk to those fans more because for a guy to have won you a championship and you to boo him every time he touches the ball, that's serious, right? Like in the Lakers philosophy is you win a championship for us, you are – like love forever. That's the that's the Laker yeah. way. I can't recall anybody that's been booed. That's a former champion for the Lakers. If you remember one, let me know. But it's surprising that they do that. My whole thing is I would like to uh, see what they're, you know, how they feel. Greg Popovich is coming from a place of he knows the guy, he coached the guy. So these fans, you know, they don't know him. And Kawhi Leonard is not the type of guy that's going to promote your brand like that. So, as far as Pop doing it, it's a little bit much. I don't think it's Pop's place to tell the fans how to be. They pay their money to go to the game. This is not the YMCA. This is not (laughs) AYSO. It's not even AAU. It's not even college basketball. This is the NBA. If they feel that strongly, you got to let them be how they are. And props to the San Antonio fans for booing even louder. Pop, he might be that guy in San Antonio, a god, but he can't just tell him how to act. Uh, they have every right to feel how they feel. Yeah, interesting. I I wasn't sure what your answer was going to be. I'm I'm glad I asked because you got a different perspective than I thought you were. Uh, for me, I'm split. One, I think that you're right. Pop gets he gets away with a lot because he's pop of it. Okay, kind of the same reason. I kind of the same rationale of why don't boo, um, don't boo uh, Kawhi. He won you a ring. Pop has the same kind of prestige of, hey, I'm you know built this whole thing so I, what i say goes how he talks to the media is a little different like he gets away with stuff that you know no other uh coach can kind of get away with you know in, in sports right or definitely in basketball uh and and i think this was a scenario right like again you grab the uh grab the mic like you said you've only seen it like one other time so that that's an interesting thing right and then uh then what do you have to say like telling the fans hey like knock it off we're classier than that it's like okay you're 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 putting your own opinions and 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 you know, marking it as like a, a condemnation on like the fan base and stuff like that. Um, I'm with you because again, same thing. The Laker way. That's not that's not what you do. You don't um, you don't boo uh, anyone who's won that. Once you win that thing, that's it. I remember a, a story uh, Shaq said because <clears throat> if you remember, Shaq's pretty honest about things, and he was like, "Hey, I kind of came to LA because it's cool, and I got the money I wanted, right? Like that's why I came, right?" And um, he wasn't necessarily. He, that's the whole reason him and uh, Kobe Rift, they just had different philosophies on like what mattered. But Shaq said, but Shaq's a very prideful guy. And he said he got there and that's kind of where his mindset was. And he said, he talked to Jerry West during one of the practices, you know, beginning of his first year. 
And Jerry said, look, I don't care about all that stuff you do, the acting, the movies, the rap, whatever. That's cool. That's fine. I'm cool with it. He said, one thing I do know, you're either going to, he pointed to the, he points to the banner. He's like, you're either going to put one of those banners up there or people are going to think about you as a bust. And it's up to you. And then Shaq said in his mind right there, he's like, well, I'm not going to be a bust. So, okay, I, I can be goofy, but I'm going to win a ring because you're not going to call me a bust. And it was kind of his wake-up call about what the standard was here. It's like, hey, you're going to, that's cool. You got to put a banner up or else that's what people are going to tell you. They're going to say, oh, yeah, whatever. You're, you're a bust. You didn't get it done. He talked about times Kareem would call him out. Like, oh, he's not, if he's so dominant, where's his rings, you know, and stuff like that. And he had to kind of prove it. So I get the fact that once you do that, you're given a certain level of respect, right? But at the same time, like you said, that was many years ago. It was an ugly divorce. And if it's been, it's kind of the both ways. One, you could say, hey, get over it. It was years ago. But you could also say, hey, if they're not over it, there must be a reason. There has to be. There's a lot of bad blood there and and a lot of anger and pain from those fans about how things went. He won one after. Then he went to L.A. And, you know, he kind of left them out to dry. They they fell into Wemby, and now they have that opportunity to kind of rebuild again. But he could have stayed there. They could have kept going. They were in a bad team when he left, right? So, so I understand both. I think overall, I'm kind of with Pop. I don't. I would. I don't. I think what he did was extreme. But I think props to him for one. He uses that ability he has for good, right? The what he's really saying is, hey, just don't lose a guy. Like it's fine. Let it go. You know. And he's also standing up for that guy. And I think it's it's an example of of respect and it lets other players know again you never know like who's watching another player can be like oh i might want to go to uh san antonio now because i see that he still he'll stand for you even after there's no benefit to pop doing that right like the fan base might turn on him they might be mad he's opting to empower the players and defend one of his old guys that guy doesn't play for him anymore he has no incentive to do it so you could tell it was genuine and really how he felt so i think that kind of helps him in a way with with current players in the NBA knowing, oh, Pop's a real one. Like, he'll have my back even after because look how he did with Kawhi. If I go there and I win stuff with him, you know, maybe that's the kind of coach I want to have by my side because he'll be by my side even after he doesn't have a incentive to be on my side. Uh, but it was an interesting uh, display for sure. I was, I, w- I was surprised when I saw it happen. I was like, wow, is this really going on? Uh, and like you said, I, I've, I've never really seen that happen. I can't imagine that happening in like a Laker game. It would definitely throw me off. Um, Nobody's taking Lawrence Tanner's mic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> All right. So uh, next game here we have is uh, Lakers versus the Mavericks. Unfortunately, uh, for me anyway, uh, Lakers weren't able to get the job done on this one. Uh, this one was a rough one because it was ugly for like most of the game. And then the Lakers made their, one of their vintage fake comebacks. They like roared back in that fourth quarter. And they really made it a game. They outscored the Mavericks 30 to 13, and they, they almost pulled it out. Um, and, and I started to believe once they once they got it within like I think like five points, I was like, oh, I think they're actually gonna do this. And they, they actually took the lead for a really brief moment in those final two minutes. But um Kyrie hit a couple of key shots, he hit a killer three. Luca did just enough in the in the closing minutes there to kind of edge out uh the Lakers and, and kind of snatch a victory from the what ended up being the jaws of defeat for them because they had control of the game. They kind of lost it there. Um, what was your reaction kind of seeing the ebb and flow of the game? And, and did you actually think the Lakers were going to come back and pull the victory once they kind of got within striking distance there? I did, actually. I did think the momentum was on their side. They brought it back. It was an amazing performance by both Luka and Kyrie. I thought in the first half, Lakers were blitzing Luka on the pick and roll, and you were seeing so many incredible cross-court passes by Luka. And yeah. the three ball was just falling for Dallas. And the Lakers in this game – Actually, didn't shoot that badly from three, but they were. This is the one where LeBron was kind of non-existent till the fourth quarter. Really, he went off in the fourth, but he didn't really do much the first three quarters. And Kyrie was amazing. It was amazing how Dallas just started missing everything in the fourth. But the Lakers, I think they they upped their intensity for sure defensively in the second half. And I did think they were going to get across the finish line. But on that last defensive possession, I think Austin Reeves was – was it Austin Reeves that I was just, I think, sagging off Kyrie Irving a little too much to help on Luka? I believe so. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. It was that, – that's exactly what happened. It was um, it was an issue with uh, – and he talked about it post game about the fact that he 
um, you know, kind of made a mistake there and, and gave him just enough room to kind of, you know, uh, create an issue for him there and, and you know, ultimately get a, give him a better shot than what he wanted to. Oh, I remember now. Anthony Davis didn't score in the second half. He had 10 points in the first half. He didn't score in the second half. And then LeBron had those cr- two crucial turnovers. It wasn't a turnover. No, it was a three-pointer over Kyrie Irving when he got the switch. And then the other one where he caught the ball against Kyrie and quickly looked to make the pass. And he made the wrong read and threw it the lob to AD that was deflected and taken away. So just some bad plays down the stretch. But I thought the Lakers just didn't come out with the right intensity. Weren't the Mavs? Were the Mavs on a back-to-back? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Uh, let, let me check real quick. I, I think they were on a back-to-back, though. So th- there really was no <laughs> no reason the Lakers shouldn't have got it done, besides the fact that the, the Mavericks are just, you know, again, we've been talking about them. They're a good basketball team. I think um, I didn't have them as high up as I should have uh, at the start of the year, or they've kind of shown me that they're better than I thought they were going to be. So that, that they're definitely a team that, as we're getting close to that first quarter of the year, I might have to kind of move up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they got defensive players around Luka and Kyrie now, and both of them can close games. So right. definitely an improve, improving team. The Lakers, you know, they should be getting wins in games like that. Anthony Davis cannot be having scoreless halves. Yeah. LeBron, you know, he gets a little bit more of a pass just given how well he's been playing. I, I still think the decision-making at the end was very questionable, but it is what it is, right? Got to move on to the next. It's early. Yeah, and also, like, again, you you talk about not playing with your food, and that wasn't the scenario for the Lakers because they were down the whole game. But what I think it also speaks to is you got to stay. It's a 48-minute game. You can't just, you know, the basketball gods, you know, you I do believe in the basketball gods, and you can't, you can't have three lackluster quarters and then a phenomenal fourth and expect to win a game. That doesn't work because then your, your margin for error becomes so small, right? Now we're talking about you didn't close out on that three and, like, oh, you know, we need some more production from you. Had they just played better <laughs> at the start of the game, you were, you'd be allowed a turnover here and there and allowed to, like, let Kyrie hit a three and not be devastating. But you had to be so perfect because you ruined all your grace in those first three quarters. You had to have a monster, okay, they can't hit any shots. We can't turn the ball over. We can't miss free throws. We got we to gotta just be perfect. Why? Because we've been messing around for, you know, an hour and a half now, and there's no more time. You know, you have three enemies when when you're trying to come back in the fourth quarter, right? You have the opponent in front of you, time, and yourself. Because you there's also self-inflicted wounds. There's missing the free throws. I think I think LeBron missed two and Jackson Hayes missed two. Then you have the um the lack of uh, a correct closeout and defending of, of Irving by Reeves. And then you have the execution from the Mavericks. And there you go. And then the clock ran out, right? You just didn't have any more time. They 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 took one more attempt at it. That was it. So they, they kind of had the, the trifecta there of what's going to happen. So we wouldn't be looking so finely at those plays at the end had they played better in the first quarter, had they played better in the second quarter, you know, but they didn't, you know, they, they just weren't ready for this game to start. And that, that's something they're going to have to uh, adjust and fix moving forward because uh, a team like the Mavericks, you, you cannot spot them, uh, all of those quarters there, um, you know, they, they lost 33 to 21 in the second quarter. Like, that's just that's just not going to fly. And um, it didn't fly that night, so uh, Lakers went on to, to lose that one. All right, uh, moving forward, we had Clippers New Orleans. Now, this one I, I only saw a few highlights on. I didn't actually uh, watch the full game here. I can't remember what happened here that I, that I missed it, but I'm going to have to have you kind of take the lead here on this one. Uh, what happened here in, uh, in uh, Pelicans uh, Clippers? I was in the building. First time seeing Zion play in front of Clipper fans. And the New Orleans Pelicans have had our number for a little while a little while now. Whether it's Brandon Ingram or Zion that goes off or both. In this game, we got both going off for over 30. Zion was just too much for us. We didn't really yeah. have the bodies to throw at him. That's part I mean, we I mentioned Zion as one of the guys who was gonna give the Clippers roster problems before the trade. Now we're thinner and those big forward position that bigger forward position that power forward spot and zion was getting whatever he wanted really in the second uh half and it just felt like the pelicans were the better team clippers made a little push in the end but they were at the majority of the game and paul george was good really aggressive Kawhi, not so much and russell westbrook only got 14 minutes in that game and that was a huge topic of discussion because it was the fourth le- lowest amount of minutes he's ever gotten in his career, and the other three were injury-related. 
So, yeah, tough. Yeah. New Orleans is a team I, I want to watch more of. You know, it, it's so interesting. I feel like at this point, Zion's kind of underrated because people are like, yeah. oh, I want to see what Zion proves. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like a he's like a he's already an all star. Like there's nothing else for Zion to prove. The main thing Zion has to prove is that he can stay healthy. But if Zion stays healthy, you know, he's top up to you how high you want to go. And, you know, New Orleans is a, another team that's kind of impressed early on, you know, quietly been above 500. And like you said, they got two guys that are are really, really good there. I think they're, they're quietly starting to kind of make some noise. I, I think for the general fan, they won't notice until probably like All-Star. Be like, hey, you know, the, the Pelicans are on their way to 45 wins. That that might put them in the 5-6 the seed. You know, that, 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 looks, that looks a lot better than what I think some people had them, you know, slated at the beginning of the year. Um, I'm not surprised because I've, I've been kind of, I've kind of stayed high on Zion through everything. And I feel like the general fans kind of forgotten about him. Uh, but if they keep playing like this and, and just quietly racking up wins, um, I definitely think that people are going to start taking notice to them. But, but how do you feel about the Pelicans in general? Same way. It just feels as though one of their big three are always injured McCollum, Zion, or Ingram. Yeah. The thing about the Pelicans match with the Clippers too, is they have the wings defensively to guard the Clippers, like Najee Marshall, Trey Murphy, who's not even healthy right now, but Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram. And right now, Kawhi, you know, he's struggling to beat anybody off the bounce. And you saw that in this game. The Pelicans were just more athletic and quicker, younger. Mm -hmm. Clippers are slower now. Now you added Harden in the mix, slow basketball. And... Yeah, he was two for eight, James Harden, one for six from three. Had eight points, 10 assists, but that's not going to really cut it. So Norman Powell was good. He had 20 points. Paul was another another really solid game from him, but just not enough. Just not enough. Just slow and didn't play well in the fourth quarter. Right. No, yeah. Um, so there we go. Clippers, uh, Pelicans, got to watch out for New Orleans. They're starting to look like another team to watch out for in the West. It's it's just a brutal division. And every year we talk about, it feels like it can't get better. And every year I feel like somehow uh, another, another team emerges and a couple more stars come in. And uh, even though these players have already been with the Pelicans, maybe this year they're going to be healthy enough to actually be a force compared to they were how they were last year. Uh, so we have Lakers, uh, Cavs next. Uh, this one was a good one. Homecoming for LeBron. Uh, 121-115 victory. Uh, really, really great night. Anthony Davis, again, he had one of those great games. 32 points, 13 rebounds. You know, it, it was just kind of an efficient game all around. Every single player on the Lakers roster who played, which was only eight players because they've just continued to add injuries to, to everything they have. It, it, it's They're running really low on guys, but they only played eight guys like it was a playoff game. But seven of those eight were in double figures, everyone except for Torian Prince. So you got a really, really good game. Jackson Hayes was perfect from the field. All his points, he's Jackson Hayes is like the funniest stat lines. He scored, th- let me just read his stat lines here. Ten, 10 points, 21 minutes of play, five for five. He was literally perfect from the field. And not only that, all his points came from the second quarter. So he had a perfect second quarter, and that's it. <laughs> that was it. Uh, so he's really smart at just um, – doing what he knows he can do and not playing outside of himself. He's one of the most self-aware players offensively in that regard. He hardly ever takes a shot where you're like, what are you doing? Because he just, he only takes a shot when it's a dunk or a layup. That's pretty much it. If it's not that he's not pushing it. He he knows exactly what his role is. Set the, set the screen and run to the basket or, or pop off for the three and let, let the, let your uh, teammate go for it. So he's really good at that. Christian Wood had another good game as well. 13 points. That was huge. They really helped in that, in that second quarter, kind of keeping the Lakers competitive because they started a little rough in the first, they gave up 40 points. They're only down five, but they gave up 40 points in that first quarter, but they quickly gained control and a great fourth quarter. The Lakers were down, I believe one point going into the fourth and they did their thing. They, they took care of business and they won a tough one on the road. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts here on this game time? Unfortunately, it was another one of those situations where I was going to the game, the Dallas game. And so, oh, right. That's right. That's right. But I watched the highlights and it looked like it was a good game, went down to the wire. That's a good win. I mean, I I still believe that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to ascend into playoff. Oh, wow. What's that look? (laughs) Uh, I've never been a a believer in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Remember all last year? I'm like, I just don't buy it. Like, I just just didn't buy it. They're not going to make the playoffs. Still make the playoffs. Still make the playoffs. I just don't think they'll win a first round series. 
They may not win a first round series, but are they going to make it through the plane? Are they going to make it top six? Ooh, let me, let me look really quick at the NBA standings, it's and I'll, I'll try to give you just a, a good a good answer. I got I got to see what what's going on here. Uh, let's see. So it's probably like a one game <laughs> difference between like five places. I well, I also get a visual of the teams. Like, do I really see them better than six teams that are here? Let's see. All right, so we got Celtics, Magic. Sixers, Heat, Knicks, Pacers, Cavs. So right now the Cavs would be the A seed, right? Then underneath them, you got the Nets and the Hawks. So I think the Magic will dip a little bit. I think the Sixers yeah. will go up. The Heat will go up. The Pacers will go down. I think they have a chance. It just depends how much the, the Magic fall. I think the Bucks are – obviously the Bucks are legit. The Celtics are legit. The Heat are legit. And the Knicks are legit. Those are the ones I feel are solid. So that's five of the six. So it's just a matter of do the Magic fall far enough and can the Cavs catch them? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say the Magic stick in, the, stick in that top six. So I think the Cavs make the play-in. Maybe the Magic maybe the top six. I think they stay in the top six. Yeah, I don't think they stay highest two. I think they'll, they'll go down to like five or six. But I think wow. they'll stay in there. I think I think they're legit. They're tr- they're, they're playing really good basketball. Um, I think they're going to stay focused. They're young. The defense has improved a lot, I think, in my opinion. Uh, you're starting to kind of see it bear fruit a little bit, but they won't stay top two. They won't even be top four. They'll be in the five, six range. But I think that keeps them in there, which means that the, the Cavs are out. So I think they're going to be out, but they'll host probably as a seven seed. And I think they do make the they do make the first round. They, they'll they'll play, they'll be in the two seven matchup. I'm sticking to my guns in the preseason. I had them as the third seed, but now that they but only because I wait, wait, wait. Only because I didn't <laughs> know the Sixers situation. Yeah. Now the Sixers. Got the got a, you know their team figured out. I got the Sixers third. Cavs just sliding that one spot down. It's four. I'm sticking to my guns. Four C. Who's two? The Bucks. So you have the Bucks. So the Bucks are going to be two. Okay, got you, got you. Okay. Sixers third, and then uh, Cleveland, New York. That was my four or five. Okay. No, I, I I don't I don't hate that. I think that's a pretty solid, especially for preseason. Yeah, I think it's a pretty solid, pretty solid lineup there. So yeah, I've just never been a fan of, of the Cavs. I don't think they're a bad team or anything. I just think that to me, last year they were a little bit overrated. And now now the truth's somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're as bad as they've looked, but I don't think they're as good as they looked last year either. So they're just a little bit higher than that uh right now. But you're right, it is a good win. Uh Cleveland's a a young team that's, you know, trying to establish a new identity which they've been trying to do over the last year. But I feel like every year they get a little closer to what that is, who their players are, getting their – they're getting their pieces that they want to build around. And and on the road, that's it's always tough to to play on the east on the road when you're a West Coast team. I think, you know, you, you've you seen that often, right? Like it, it's a tough – you're just trying to really break even on a road trip that's three, four, five games. That's the goal. Can you break even? And then, you know, you want to get greedy. Can you get a winning record from that? So uh, getting this win was definitely a, a challenge. I, I felt like it was important because – they have another back-to-back coming up later this week, which we'll talk about later. So I thought, you know, you got to get some games here. And then you had Philly after that, which we already talked about how bad that was. So it's a tough road trip. So good to get this win. Um, great that LeBron opened up his his museum and all that in Akron. I believe that was also the, the opening day of that. So he kind of was able to celebrate that in his hometown with his people and then get the win. And it was cool uh, since, you, since you didn't watch it. I don't know if it came up in the highlights, but they actually did a tribute for LeBron. And for those who don't know, which I don't know who that would be, but, you know, it hasn't always been rosy when LeBron returns to Cleveland. Uh, but, again, talking about uh, time heals all wounds, and he did put a banner up there, so that, that that means a lot, right? So it was nice to see him get a video tribute, and you could tell it really, like, it hit LeBron. He was, like, smiling, looked like he almost got a little bit emotional. And then as the crowd was giving him his cheers, he kind of just did, like, the little heart symbol and was just kind of, like, you know, acknowledge the fans and the crowd that, hey, Y'all are showing me love today. I appreciate it because he knows better than anybody how ugly it can be uh, on a return there. Uh, so I thought that was a, a, a good touch by the Cavs and and a cool moment to say, hey, they got over it. He left in an ugly way, but guess what? He came back. He won a ring. That was many years ago. He's still going to be known probably, I think, to most fans as a Cavalier more so than as a, as a Heat or a Laker um, I mean, do you still look at LeBron as that? When you think about LeBron, when you close your eyes and think of LeBron, do you still see him in, in that Cavs jersey? Oh, yeah. The king of Ohio. Come on now. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, I think it's these Laker runs getting so big that it's, it's almost kind of flirting with that. And I think if he gets another ring here, 
I think that definitely puts it at least or even above the heat moment. I think flirting um, with that, you might be flirting with the heat. You're not flirting with the calves. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I think he at least gets to the point where a lot of people will think about really, him as like a Laker. But, but you're not really flirting with the heat, are you? Because he was literally insane those four years in Miami, at least those last three after he won, you know, after he lost that first year. He was, but I'll say this. One, he was he's gonna be here longer than he ever was there. He's already been Two, here longer. Exactly. That's what I mean. He's going to be there long. He's going to be, he is already here longer than he was there. And it would be even longer depending on, does he go another year after this? Does he sign another contract after that? We don't know where the future holds, but he's already went past that. He's broken a lot of records here. If he puts up two banners, I can make the claim that look, the same amount of success, longer tenure, a bunch of historic records broken here. I think if he gets two, two rings, I think I can, I think I can kind of debate it a little bit that he's more known as a Laker than a Heat. You can if he gets another ring. That's, That's what I'm a, saying. Yeah. yeah, if he gets another one, I think I, right now, like you're right. It's just that was his peak as as an athlete, and then he's got two championships there, and that was kind of a moment that kind of changed how basketball and free agency happened. So all that context is is needed. But if he gets another one here, and then he kind of walks off into the sunset as a Laker playing here so many years, I, I like you said, I still think most people will think about him as a calf. But then you'll think Cav Lakers, and oh yeah, the Heat time was crazy. That's kind of how I think it'll be remembered. Um, but right now he's a Laker, and thanks to him, the Lakers were able to beat the Cavs uh, on that matchup. And then we had Clippers, Dallas. I mean, what's going on? I mean, finally, the boogeyman is dead, huh? Time? <laughs> no, we're we own the maps. <laughs> really, you own the maps? Not I, I got them. some videos to say. Hold on, I got some videos to say. <laughs> Not own them, but. Guess who the only franchise in NBA history to have lost multiple times in the playoffs of the Clippers is? I'm guessing that's the Dallas Mavericks. That's right. Two years in a row. So, you know, they give us a hard time, but we still kind of knock them out. Kawhi Leonard is their boogeyman, even though Luka does give us a hard time. Denver and New Orleans are the teams that we just get owned by right now. The Dallas game was the best performance of the Clippers season. I thought the point of attack defense with Terrence Mann guarding Luka mostly and then Paul George guarding Kyrie was amazing. Paul was so good. Terrence had his best game of the season. And Luka and them, they look like – the Clippers, by the way, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George played on a back-to-back, and this is their longest run of consecutive games together as, a, as Clippers, healthy, 16 in a row. Longest run. They never played. They never even played uh, more than thirteen straight. And you know, in the thirteen straight were the bubble playoffs, six games in the first round, seven in the second, uninterrupted with, you know, no rest, no injury, no nothing. So it's amazing that they've done that. But because of this hard and trade, having to get used to everybody, we haven't been able to just hit the ground running. We'd have to adjust, and that was our best performance. And James Harden was actually playing good defense in these two games against New Orleans and Dallas. You know. Luca wasn't able to bully him because that's one thing that Harden is good at is he's strong. You can't just overpower him. And Russ had an amazing game, and he was attacking Luca late in the game, talking trash. So the vibes were high. James Harden didn't even have to come back in in the fourth. Kawhi, though, people are really questioning, you know, his game right now. Is he are his best days behind him? Can he return to the level that we saw in the playoffs last year? He's got looks like he's got less even even less lift and burst than he had last year, and he's not having that many good shooting games. The first twenty plus shot attempt game he had with Harden was the one against Denver that we just lost on Monday. But this game he was two for twelve. But the good thing about Kawhi is he's still going to play defense. He's still going to play high IQ basketball. But Paul George at this point before the Dallas game, I'm sorry, the Denver game. He's been having, you know, an amazing season. He hasn't had many bad games. So I have to say Paul George is playing very well. It's just crazy that the Clippers can go from playing like that on the second night of a back-to-back to laying an egg against Denver. It just shows it's all effort. And they have the potential to be a decent defensive team. I want to give a shout-out to Zoo. I think he's been playing better lately. Had a big – one of the only good performers against Denver. And Daniel Tice has been an awesome addition going off the bench with the Clippers. Yeah, um – I was I was definitely thinking this was going to be a tougher game, and you know I, I'm always here for <laughs> Dallas to cook uh, cook the Clippers and for Luca to go off. But we kind of got the opposite. I mean, not, not that Luca had a terrible game, but you, 
You saw him frustrated. You saw him agitated. You saw him kind of giving up defensively even more so than before. You saw Russ kind of point, you know, Russ had that moment where he pointed, he was like, you know, go get him. Like he doesn't want it, you know, and 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 Luca didn't respond well to that, which you know happens to Luca sometimes when he when he gets in one of those moods or or you, you kind of put him in a negative headspace. You know, I don't like to talk too much about you know what's going on in players' heads. I'm not a you know a, a mental therapist or anything, or like you know, I, I'm not gonna play sports psychologist, but some things are obvious, and, and it's obvious when he gets bothered by refs or he gets bothered by players. And he was kind of getting picked on, and he didn't take it very well. And and it, I think it did affect his play, and it was kind of interesting seeing, like, his psyche kind of break there for a moment. You know, I, I don't think, you know, if I was a Mavericks fan, I wouldn't be worried about Luka long-term. It was just like, oh, it's a bad moment, you know, and it's just a, a regular season game. Uh, but I was surprised by that. Did that surprise you, kind of what how Luka was acting and, and kind of his response to, like, you know, uh, getting the pushback from from Russ and the players and kind of how the game kind of transpired there? You know, that was the most, I should say, the least afraid I've ever been of Luka, I feel like, in a game that we played against him. He and Kyrie were kept in check. And I say that with them scoring like a combined 55 points or something like that, just yeah. shows how good they are. But the thing is, we kept everybody else in check. And I thought the exact opposite of the Denver game. Our weak side rotations were so much sharper. And, you know, we were intercepting cross-court passes that he was making in the Laker game. And you saw more of Zubats and Tice coming out on the screens, whereas usually Zubats is always drop coverage. He's always going to drop. He's never going to come out to the level of the screen. But started to see more of that, and the rotations were better. Just amazing how the Clippers can play so opposite of each other, you know, from one game to the next. It just shows it's all about effort. Yeah, and and like you said, uh, Kyrie and Luka, they had 56 points, but guess what? The team only had 88. So, you know, if you, if you score 88 points in the NBA, uh, you know, unless we're talking about the 80s, you're not going to win many games. Uh, I don't even know if you're winning a game scoring 88 points. That That's that's pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, like you said, they they completely dominated. It was probably one of their better wins. And, yeah, like you said, just goes to show you, uh, I mean, in this same week, we've had a lot of uh, we had some Laker wins, some some Clipper wins, but that that Monday just left, you know, a sour taste there. And <clears throat> I want to take a quick look here at the um, the Western Conference standings because what I want to talk about is kind of our, our bigger picture thing is where do we go from here? I think we, we're almost at the – I think by next episode we'll probably do a big, like, first quarter recap. I think, believe it or not, we'll be twenty one past the 21 game mark, which is technically 25% of the NBA season done, believe it or not. We're almost a quarter done, so it's almost, you know, first quarter report card pickup. Uh, I know you enough to think you didn't have a great first quarter <laughs> report card there, Dime. How, how were you in elementary school uh, when report card pickup day came? Grades were always pretty solid, but oh, I okay. always, you know, grades are always pretty solid, and I always got a two out of four in exercises self slash control. Guy. I don't have them anymore because you know they're old records. But uh, my grades weren't solid. I was, believe it or not, I was I was a knucklehead un until like until really college. I kind of just clowned around in school. School was social time for me. There's in in uh, I went to Chicago Public School, so I, I, I'm originally from Chicago. That's where I grew up. And in our uh, progress report, our grade reports, they had uh, they had boxes for everything, right? And one was exercise self control. In like the second grade, I had. Every teacher put their room number in there, so much so that it was out of the box, and people were <laughs> putting the room number and an arrow to, to make sure everyone was included. And I thought it was so petty because I was like, okay, why does every teacher have to? I think my parents get it, right? Like, I'm talking too much. Like, it's already filled. The box is filled. And it, it just was hilarious to me. The teacher would look at that and say, no. I know there's already five rooms in here, but my room's got to be in here too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah my, my self-control was, there was no self-control. Because for me, school was social time. So I'm like, I'm here to hang out. I'm here to have fun. Like, you know, See, like, Well, that's that's so crazy you say that because that's what I always said. I used to always say that uh, I'm, I'm always going to have fun. Like that's number one. And like school is not time for fun. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to be just bored out of my mind. But the thing <laughs> is, I still would get some good grades. Math as I got older started to become a struggle. Like, you know, we started getting into like algebra, geometry, and those, you know, started getting yeah. advanced. I was good at like mental math, but like English and all that, I was good at, you know, I always had good grades. They would always say he has potential, but, you know, his, his behavior is not good. Like, all right, <laughs> brother. <laughs> yeah, I was the same. Thankfully, uh, 
I improved a lot. And, and as I got older, I started recognizing where my skill sets were, you know, in college, it was a completely different thing. I, my self-control, I was completely controlled and all my grades were, were, were pretty good. I was honors and all that stuff. So I got, I righted the ship eventually, but as a young kid, yeah, all they knew is uh, this guy's not doing his homework and he has a lot to say about who knows what. <laughs> so now we're talking about the Lakers and the Clippers. We're about to enter that, that first quarter. We're not quite there, but I want to talk about what are we what are we going to do now? We've seen the Lakers play well. We've seen them play awful. We've seen the Clippers play well. Then they did a trade that got rocky. Then they got hot again. Now it's you know coming off a bad loss on Monday. What are your main concerns about the Clippers now, and how do you see it being fixed without making any you know big trades or changes? Edwin, I think we need to really be honest with ourselves here about both LA teams for a sec. Let's be honest. Let's do it. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I don't know if either of them can be the best player on a championship team anymore. Paul George, we knew probably probably could never, but Kawhi, he does he I think he's gonna start playing better. But will he be able to stay healthy for the whole season, you know, play 65 plus games and get back to the level of last year's playoffs? And at the same time, has James Harden really helped our team? So far, we're four and seven with him. You know, I mean, it just felt like he made a team that was already slow even slower. If ultimately, if Kawhi Leonard is not one of the 10 best players in the NBA when he's at his best, I'm talking about right now, this season, then this the championship window's over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the Clippers got to start thinking about this. If if this, how long are we gonna go? Let's go to the trade deadline and see. Then, as for the Lakers, are we really expecting year twenty one LeBron in the playoffs to play good defense and close the games? And then Anthony Davis, he's gonna have those inconsistent offensive nights because right now, it's he's only scoring in the paint. Like Christian Wood gave Vincent. These guys are, are going to – not even Gabe Vincent, he's not playing, but Vando. These guys will help, but the Lakers didn't lose because they're – I mean, D'Lo wasn't good enough in the Western Conference Finals, but they were in the games. Like, right now, are the Clippers and Lakers guys, the dudes, are they good enough anymore to win a championship? Man, that's a good question. I think <clears> – we'll start with the Clippers. I, I think they are – oh, man. I think – this is rough. <laughs> it's rough. Um, I, I think the Clippers, it, it, the answer is probably, the quick answer is probably no. The long answer is maybe. I, I think that it, I want to see, I still want to see a little bit more of James. I want to, I, I don't, I think Kawhi will, I don't think he's going to, he's regressed as much as he's looked. I would want to see him kind of perform this poorly for like another 20 games. And then I'll right. see that, okay, maybe the age did get to him. Because again, this could just be a bad stretch. It's the beginning of the season. Things are just starting off. Maybe it just takes him a little longer to kind of warm up, to get into it, to get engaged. There was a big trade in the middle of this whole thing. I want to see where he's at at the All-Star break. Right. If you're, yeah, still, saying the same, if you're still saying the same things and you have the stats to back it up, then I'll, I'll be with you and say, okay, this might be permanent. Right now, I'm, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion just yet. Uh, because I've seen how he was literally this summer. Like he was, he was good, you know. So I, I don't want to skip that and just be a prisoner of the moment. So that's the one thing about about Kawhi. You're right about PG. He was never that guy. He's a one A guy, a two guy, and Harden used to be that guy. He clearly isn't. They're seeing if he's enough to, you know, be another bucket getter and, and that kind of thing. So we're gonna see how that experiment kind of goes. And with the Lakers, yeah, I mean that's what you're really asking. You're asking LeBron, hey. I know this has never been asked of anyone in the history of the sport, <laughs> but you gotta you gotta be that guy in year twenty one. You know you, you're you're Mr. Longevity, and you're gonna have to be that guy. I think he can do it as long as he's healthy, and that's the concerning thing. They're putting a lot of miles and minutes on his body. You know he's, he's playing thirty plus minutes every night. He's second in the team in um, minutes played. I think he's like fifth in the NBA in fourth quarter minutes played because he's not missing fourth quarters when the game's on the line. So that's a bit concerning. Uh, and Anthony Davis, he's, like you said, he's, he is what he is. And I guess the question is, and that's what the, the Lakers are trying to figure out before the trade deadline, Vando, D'Lo, Gabe Vincent. Is that enough? And right now the, the answer is 
it's it's got a question mark because we've seen D'Lo, so your opinion of him is your opinion of him. We have not seen Gabe Vincent, and we have not seen Vanderbilt at all because they've been injured. Uh, Vandal the entire year so far. Gabe, he started a little bit in the beginning of the season, and then he's he got injured. He's been out. So they're trying to find out that answer to that question. Is, is that enough of a supporting cast? If not, are they good, finally ready to let go of that final good piece they have, that first-round pick, package some players, and take a risk? Or are they making the same mistake they made last year in giving up on these guys too early abandoning what got them to the Western Conference Finals and then having a disaster. And then guess what? The LeBron James era is over. We gave up everything for someone like Zach Levine and it wasn't worth it. And now, you know, Vando's killing it somewhere else. And we're like, huh, maybe we shouldn't have let go of all those great pieces we had for a guy who can't play defense and has never played a significant game of basketball in the NBA in Zach Levine. No offense, Zach Levine, not your fault. But but those are the kind of questions the Lakers will have to answer. So for me, that's the thing. I want to see them healthy and I know some Laker fans get frustrated when when we talk about health because their rationale is you know you're never healthy I don't want it sounds like an excuse but for me it's just I mean they're playing eight or nine guys like I just want to see a couple key role players come back they don't have to be literally like no one on the injury report but I don't know can Jared Vanderbilt come back he's supposed to be your starter and he hasn't played one game so I want to see him slotted in there see how the Lakers play with him I'm guessing they're going to start him and Torian Prince is going to be a little bit further back in the depth chart and does that kind of unlock something with the Lakers where they have a better defensive presence in the first quarter, start games better, Vando gets a little bit better from three. Now, again, the, the piece that the Lakers want might actually be on the roster. It just hasn't been able to play. And I don't know all the details medically, but I don't think the Vanderbilt injury is like something that's season ending or career altering. He just needs to come back. So uh, hopefully he comes back next couple of weeks so we can see that. But that, that's for me the biggest thing about the Lakers. If they can get a little bit healthy, I just want to see if it's should they really abandon that core and go for broke with Zach Levine or someone like that? Or should they just ride the course and say, hey, play as good as you can. Maybe you can make a Western Conference Finals. Maybe you get lucky and some some key players and other teams get hurt and that could be enough. Uh, do you think, what do you think? Do you think the Lakers have enough or would you make a trade for someone like Zach Levine and kind of go for broke? Nah. nah. Yeah, same. Why are you not a Zach Levine uh, believer? Because that's what I hear usually in my mentions, and I'm usually telling I, people, yeah, I don't see it. I like Zach. I just, I mean, I don't know if that's that's the guy. You know, I don't know if that's what you need. As I said, I don't I don't think it's the role players, the supporting cast. I think it's LeBron AD. I'm just not sure about it in terms of winning the whole thing. I think the Lakers will still be a good team, and that those guys are going to help. But that's just my thing about him. They play very slow. You know what I mean? It feels like young teams really try to run on them. Dallas and Sacramento, they ran him out the gym. Yeah. And they made their little pushes in both games, like almost like an identical game, except the Dallas one, they got closer and they ended up taking the lead. So Clippers and Lakers both a little, little on the slower side. Yeah, for sure. They're they're both older teams, um, kind of going against, like you said, against the grain of what the NBA is about right now. The NBA is about speed, quickness, threes, and, you know, conversions uh, at the rim. And the conversion at the rim we got, uh, I think you guys are definitely a better three-point shooting team because we are near the bottom of the league. Definitely. But both teams are slow. So that, that's an issue. Um, now, in the, in the playoffs, the game does kind of slow down. So that, that probably gives them both an advantage there. Um, but you, you're still kind of playing against what the traditional NBA is kind of aiming towards. And it's just a matter of can you force the other teams to play at your speed? And force them to kind of actually, you're the one who's got to slow down with me, not me speed up to you. And that comes down to the counters and matchups and kind of who dictates the, the, the terms of engagement. So it'll be interesting to see. I definitely think both teams are going to be in the mix. I think both teams are going to make the playoffs. So we'll see. And of course, we're, we're talking after a really rough Monday. So hopefully as, as this week goes on, which we're about to get into the games, you know, we have a little bit more of a positive attitude. So games we have coming up, actually, it's interesting. We're kind of in lockstep for most of the games this week. So it's going to be an interesting week for us here. Uh, uh, Wednesday, which is tomorrow for us when we're recording, we got Lakers at Detroit, a 4 p.m. game, because again, the, the Lakers are on the East Coast. So that game's a bit early. And then we got Clippers at Sacramento, 7 p.m. That game's on NBA TV. So it'll be a nationally televised game on NBA TV. For Lakers Detroit, I mean, you got to go with the Lakers. If the Lakers lose this one, like, it's ring the bell. You know, the, the alarms are, they might not be able to come back, you know. <laughs> so they got to win this one. And then Clippers Sacramento, that one I find curious. Um, I feel like I'm going to give it to Sacramento because they're at home. 
Uh, but what do you think about these two games coming up on Wednesday? So this is the Lakers' third game of the road trip? Correct. I think they're going to win. Detroit's lost how many games in a row? Like 16 or something? I think 14 or something like that. I'll look yeah. it up while yeah, we talk here. So I'm going to go with the Lakers. As far as the Clippers, Sacramento's on a back-to-back. They're playing the Warriors as we speak, and they're losing. But they're a young team, well-conditioned. Last season, they were probably the most well-conditioned team in the NBA. They can they, Their game plan is going to be to run. And the Clippers run, run, run. And I don't know. It's going to be tough. The thing about the Clippers is you got a day off. How do you respond to a defeat like that, an embarrassing defeat like that? I'm tempted to say the Clippers, but I see the Kings being a little bit of a problem. However, no Keegan Murray, I don't think. So I'm going to go yeah. with the Kings. Okay, there we go. So we've Close got the same, same prediction there for those two. Okay, and then the next day, Back at it like a bad habit. Back-to-backs for both teams, which, again, wow. we're not always on lockstep there. But we got Lakers at OKC, which which to me seems ridiculous. They got traveled all the way from Detroit to OKC. I mean, obviously, they're flying, but it still feels like that's kind of a lot to ask, you know, to, to go, you know, across a huge part of the country to, to play that game. But Lakers at OKC, that's a 5 o'clock West Coast time game. And then we have Clippers at Golden State at 7 p.m., uh, Pacific time that's also on NBA TV. So a lot of NBA TV representation for the Clippers. I got, you know, unfortunately I'm going to pick, I guess I got to pick OKC. I just feel like it's tough on a back-to-back flying across, you know, half the country like that. I think they're going to be tired and it's been a lot having to get blown out. They're probably going to have to put a lot of energy to make sure they make a statement against Detroit and you, you're going to OKC. I feel like the Lakers might get caught there in that one. Uh, and then Clippers Golden State. Golden State's interesting because I, I still feel like I'm blinded by who they were versus who they are, and I struggle kind of picking against them still. I'm going to say Golden State wins that one. Uh, what do you have for these Thursday games here? I'm going with – you said Lakers are playing who? OKC. OKC. I'm going with OKC. Yeah, okay. Clippers, I'm going with Clippers. okay cool well guess what saturday i don't believe in the warriors and they're slow as well and they just aren't playing with the same pace with cp3 and i think the clippers gonna get it done all right cool so saturday we got lakers houston that's gonna be in la i will be in attendance can't wait for that one i'm gonna take the lakers winning that one they've had some good games against houston and some bad games already this year but i think they're gonna get a good one here and then we're just gonna run it back clippers golden state but this time, it's in Los Angeles. So we got both teams inside Crypto.com Arena, one after the other. Uh, the Clippers are actually going to be first at 1 o'clock, and the, the Lakers are at 7.30. So I'm going to say, since I picked the Golden State Warriors to win the first game, I'm going to say the Clippers win this one. What do you got, Dom? Do you have them doing the sweep back-to-back? Sweet. Wow, that's bold. Disrespecting the Warriors. Watch out. The, the Steph fans might get at you for this one. <laughs> That's gonna be my first game I missed this season, Warriors. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm busy, but uh, it's okay. You know, I gotta miss one eventually. Uh, unfortunately, it's that one, but we're playing the Warriors again in December, so we're getting a lot of the Warriors in December. Yeah. So, or just in the in the uh, coming weeks. So I'll be at that one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Clippers, Lakers, Rockets. That was a good game. I'm gonna go with the Lakers. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they care about this. Okay, and the last one we're going to talk about is Monday. We have Clippers versus Portland, again, in Los Angeles. This one at 730. So um, I think you have to go. I have to go with Clippers. You know, Portland, I just don't think they're they're going to bring the appropriate energy or, or can even match the quality of the Clippers are all, all um, clicking on all cylinders. They'll have Sunday off. They got the Monday game. So I'm going with Clippers here. How about you, Dan? Clippers as well. Portland is not as healthy as they were when we played them the first time. Uh, obviously, this Clipper team is different than that first time, but I'll be that at that game, and uh, I think we're gonna get the W. Okay, so you got you got. There's four uh, Clipper games this week. You got them going three and one, only losing to the Kings. They're gonna. So when we talk again, they'll likely be on a three game winning streak. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And for me, I have them winning uh, two of the next three, so it'll be like win, lose, win. So a little bit of a mix back there, and I think you got the same thing there for us. So we'll see next week if um, if all that comes true. And then next week, I believe by then we'll be past the 21-game threshold, so we'll officially be at the end of the 
uh, first quarter of the NBA season. So, Dime, I'll obviously be contacting you to, to remind you, but I'm going to want you to do some homework. I'm going to want you to give me the Clippers at by the time we get there. The MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, six man for the Clippers, not the NBA. Like you're giving out team awards. So we're going to do the regular season awards, but just for this team. And I'm going to keep documenting it every time we reach the, that quarter mark to see if your answers change, who ends up in the lead. And I think this is a good way to kind of keep track of that who's doing what on each team if we check in at every quarter mark. So we'll have our first. Uh, first quarter uh, awards there. And I'll be curious to see who you pick. I'll do the same thing for both teams. So we'll do it for both teams and we'll break down uh, how we're the same, how we're different and, and why we might differ on a couple of things there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I look forward to it. Should I do the Lakers as well? Yeah. Yeah. Do both. I'll do both. And then we'll break down. Let's see. We'll see if our answers, we'll, we'll keep our answers to ourselves. And then we'll see when we talk about it, if we got the same, same answers for MVP, six man, et cetera, et cetera. All right. All right. That sounds good. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to close up shop here. Uh, that's the end of episode six of Basketball on Figueroa. I'm Edward Garcia, and that's Dime Viziri, a.k.a. Darian Viziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper. I kind of mixed the two names there. Uh, but on that note, uh, we out. We'll see you next week.